the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Looking for strategies to help you protect your portfolio in these uncertain times? Visit RobBlack.com. RobBlack.com. Powered by EP Wealth. It's almost like you can say there's 99 ways to leave a lover or what have you. Get on the bus, Gus. No, I'm not going there. Um... You can make money in housing. You can make money in stocks. You can make money in bonds. I like the idea of accumulating wealth. I wish I had started earlier. I started when I was 18. There was a car accident that I got a $3,000 payment out of because I got rear-ended. And I was just like, this is not beer money. This is not fun money. This is not car money. This is investment. Um, Because I don't want to work till the day I die. That was my one thought plus another thought equals start now. But I talked about housing. And when I moved to California 25 years ago, people were in love with housing, 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 housing. Oh, housing, 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 housing. I've seen more people go bankrupt due to housing than I have seen in the stock market. Um, I've seen more people lose money in options, which are risky angles on stocks. Um, their leverage, their, their shorten, their, they, they don't let time play out. You have a window of this has to work now. I've seen stocks do quite well for people. I've seen housing do quite well for people over time. It's when the window is one to three years that I don't think you should play. You need at least three to 10 to 15 to 20. The longer, the better in both. The housing market correction is going to take some time. So says data tracks, uh, Nicholas Colas. He pointed to the length of the previous housing cycles where home prices stayed from long-term trends for years. He predicted home prices would need to drop 15 to 20% for the market to return to its long-term growth trend. Now, first things first, every market is different. There's high-end markets, the low-end markets, there's middle, there's starter homes, there's homes that are 25 miles from jobs, there's homes that are right next to jobs. A housing market correction is going to take a long time. Prices need to fall 20%, he says. He thinks it's going to take a few years to return back down to the trend line of where home prices should be. Just watching, you know, oh, this house on Sesame Street was A, and then next year it's a little bit higher, then it's a little bit higher, then whoa, it's a lot higher, then whoa, it's a lot higher, then whoa, it's a lot higher. He wants that to scrunch back down. Housing has been under pressure admits the Fed's aggressive rate hikes this year. Central bank rising uh, rates, rising rates, raising rates, rising interest rates, chunk at a time, chunk at a time, chunk at a time. Um, I'm probably another 50 basis point rate hike in December. And then there might be a pause in January. That's what's expected now because what Jerome Powell said. Mortgage rates briefly popped to a 20-year high of over 7%. Some economists have warned that an imminent housing crash, potential freefall, and home prices could ensue. I don't think so because it comes back down to location, location, location in my mind. And it comes down to we're not building enough homes. 
it comes down to we're having children. There's immigration into the country. We need more homes. We need more low-cost homes. We need more middle-cost homes. The high-class homes, they're taking care of themselves. Higher mortgage rates will do part of the work in bringing prices back down. But history says any correction in this market is going to take time. When I bought a, my la, uh, two homes ago, I guess, not the home that I'm in now, but the one previous, uh, 2006, things started going down. So eight, 2007, 2008, 2009. And that's when they started coming back. It, it was like a three-year window. And no, I didn't hit the bottom when I bought it. I, I hit it when it was started rising. And did I get lucky? I did get lucky. It is very important to acknowledge sometimes you're not smart, you're lucky, you're in the right place at the right time. But yeah, you believed in the right asset. Stocks, bonds, and real estate. Um, anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. So don't, I guess the point of that whole angle there was don't expect housing to be a quick fix. Right now, this year, the stock market's down 11 months, essentially, right? Don't expect 11 months to be it. It can easily extend to 18 months, to 24 months, to 36 months. But then you're starting to get like, that's a little bit on the long side. After 18 months, it starts getting to be a little bit on the long side. So I'm not, I'm asking you, don't be a market timer. Make sure you're ready for a worst case scenario. Weather the storm. In big rallies, look at things that you really want to own. Like maybe two years ago, I was looking at NVIDIA like, I really want you, NVIDIA. You're a growth stock and you're hitting new highs every day. Coca-Cola, I don't want you. Coca-Cola, you're dirty. Coca-Cola, you're awful. You're sugar water. You're diabetes. That's a joke, of course. Um, but what I long for NVIDIA, growth semiconductor, Maybe that's telling me use reverse psychology and go for the the non-sexy play, a Coca-Cola. There's something to be said for Warren Buffett. He's owned Coca-Cola for many, 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 many years. And he's one of those guys that drinks a Coca-Cola at his annual shareholders meetings. I love Warren Buffett. And it's it's something interesting. I got into this industry with a chip on my shoulder that I wanted Generation X, my generation, to be to get access to good information to get in the stock market, to not be afraid of it, to say things like this isn't your daddy's stock market anymore, that you should be looking at tech stocks. Tech stocks are going to be the next big thing. I got in when computing started to really evolve and become a revolution. I don't have that chip on my shoulder anymore. I don't have to be right. I don't have to be dominant. I have to play the game and take a look around and see what's out there. I hope you have the same kind of opinion. Oh, Tesla's chief designer of the Cybertruck. We're hearing more about the Cybertruck. Is this going to be the year? It's a goofy looking vehicle, but I, I embrace goofiness. Again, CEO of Tesla. Genius. CEO of Twitter. Yeah. We don't know yet, right? And yet it's the same person. You can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube at Rob Black Show. Take care. Don't want to work forever? Check out the retirement planning guide on robblack.com. That's robblack.com, powered by EP Wealth. Let's talk investing and strategy. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. Um, 
show dedicated to getting your retirement. It's got some hints, tips, tricks. It's got some daily news. It's got a lot going on. Friday is my best podcast as I take the pieces of strategy from the week. So I think Monday through Thursday is really dedicated to news and headlines. And Fridays are really dedicated to strategy. But check out my podcast anywhere you get podcasts by looking up Rob Black Show. Okay, let's see what we have today. We have the, um, no, 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 let's not do a daily thing. Let's do a, uh, a big picture. Some of the things that are starting to line up for 2023, some of them are kind of funny. Some of them are kind of like, oh, I didn't see that coming. Um, but do you remember when Bitcoin was around 60,000? A lot of analysts were calling for Bitcoin to go to 100,000 because that seems like the next platform. Bank of America had one. Um, um, what am I trying to think? Um, I'm dropping it. Strategist say that he thought Bitcoin could go to 200,000. Fun Strat Global Advisors managing partner Tom Lee. He's on CNBC all the time. Um, he's Asian American. He's got great Elvis-like hair. He's got dark black glasses. So I'm trying to, if you've seen him, you know what I'm talking about. Um, he's saying, you know, hey, I know I once said that Bitcoin was going to 200,000. That was before the crypto winter of May when several cryptocurrencies and lenders failed. And that turned out to be just a prelude to last month's shocking collapse of FTX, one of the largest crypto exchanges in the world. In a matter of just 48 hours, Bitcoin was trading down 16,000 from down from a peak of 70,000. Tom Lee says it's been a horrific year, but insists that crypto is not dead. Rather, he sees it as a moment of reckoning for the sector. Now, wait, wait. This is the guy who said at 70,000, it was going to 200,000. Does anything out of his mouth ever get respected? Or do we take it for what it's worth? Like maybe he's more right in the long term, but he's definitively more wrong in the short term. He's not one of my Buddhas. He's not one of my gurus. He's not someone I to put a lot of trust in. I like Liz on Saunders. For instance, talking about the economy. She's a Buddha of mine. I like her. I think she does a really nice job. He goes on to say, Tom Lee, it's important moment for the industry. I think it's cleaning a lot of the cleansing, a lot of the bad players. But do I think crypto is dead? No. There's a lot of people throwing gasoline in a crowded theater and yelling fire. I just think he should back off crypto because he clearly doesn't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. You know, do I, I could tell you that I think it survives like he's saying it. I think the coins are trash or rubbish. I think the two areas that are most interesting from what I can tell, and again, my depth of knowledge may be a little better than yours, maybe a little worse than yours, but it's not like I'm a guru. In the aftermath of FTX fall, Bitcoin's dropped 77% from its peak. Bitcoin's ongoing decline. He says he still sees advising clients to buy the token. Um, I don't know about that. So maybe if you were to say, I'm going to buy, you know, out of my whole portfolio with all my cash that goes into new positions per year, maybe I'll buy one to 2%. 
Um, but I don't know. It's it's tough to say the shark's gone. It's tough to say put your feet back in the water. Do you remember what, or you probably won't remember, but Jaws came out in 1976, 1977. A lot of people didn't go back in the ocean for like years. Is this similar? Um, I don't know. But so that's fun strats, Tom Lee, and he's been totally wrong. And he's saying, hey, you know, give it a chance. Uh, it's it's going to be okay. They kind of deserve this. It's cleaning them out. But if you put 100% of your money in, you're, you're ruined. You're ruined. It's going to take you a lifetime to recover. The stock market could see fireworks through the end of the year. So says, get this, fun strats Tom Lee. He says the headwinds have flipped. So, okay, we're off of Bitcoin. Now we're into the stock market. This is one of the things I like about, you know, the final couple months of the year, because you start looking out what's going to be happening next year. Thanksgiving holidays over. We're marching down to the final key weeks of 2022. While many may be tempted to close the books for the year, the, I think Tom Lee thinks the final five weeks will be fireworks. Um, he thinks the tailwinds have flipped, um, including surging oil. Federal Reserve's hurry to lift interest rates higher to battle soaring inflation. I, I think that's a kind of an interesting one right there. The Federal Reserve's hurry to lift interest rates. We should see the Federal Reserve slow and not hurry. Smaller sizes give a little bit of time to see what the data says. A lot of what the Fed wants is a dissolution of wealth from the housing market to the stock market. But this is a recession that looks like it's going to be coming from a labor market issue. Um, one of the things that's interesting, he said oil was trading at the lowest price of 2022 amid protests in China over the country's strict COVID risks. Yes, that's true. So that could be deflationary. Um, there's a curbing of the spread of COVID-19 restrictions that investors fear will hurt consumption and economic growth. He said he saw the ease of inflation in October as measured by the consumer price index, a game changer for the markets. So he's saying a lot of the things that in the first six, seven, eight, nine months of the year, including a couple months from this at 2021 at the end, he thinks the story has flipped. Headwinds for 2022 was inflation surge seven it's 9%. He thinks inflation now is going to be net 2 to 3 uh 0. 0.2 to 0.3% higher. Some areas maybe negative 3%, so he's saying that's positive. He's saying some of the headwinds of 2022 started with Russia Ukraine war, inflation and uncertainty. He now sees Russia Ukraine war becoming static or stasis. He said crude oil prices surged from 75 to 130, and in the back half of the year, crude went from 130 to 75. So it's really tough to say he's he's not well thought out, because this is well thought out. At the start of the year, the headwind was food prices soar globally. Now he's saying food prices are set to decline year over year. Tailwind. At the start of the year, the headwind was supply chain leading to higher goods priced. Now he's saying that goods are prices prices are tanking. I don't know about that. At the start of the year, we went from one and a half percent on the ten-year Treasury all the way up to three and a half percent in the middle of the year. 
in the back half of the year, we've gone from 4.3% to 3.7%. That's a tailwind now because it's going lower. At the start of the year, the headwind was the Fed was in a hurry to get higher interest rates. Now he says in the back half of the year, the Fed is set to become more predictable. Again, most of these I agree with. And this is most of the stuff you should write down and go, um, this is what the problem is for 2022. At the start of the year, China was pursuing zero COVID. At the end of the year, is China possibly easing on COVID? We've seen some areas where they're relaxing, but still very much so a country that that is dominated by the zero COVID policies. Um, so I don't know if he's right on that one. Um, in the first half of the year, he said a headwind was CEO confidence fell at its fastest rate in 50 years. Now he thinks CEOs have bottomed out and are kind of saying, okay, well, we are going into a mini recession. We're hoping not for it to be a prolonged or deeper recession. So a lot of people think we might have a recession that's an inch deep and a mile wide instead of really a tough three years. He said at the beginning of the year, the headwind was that expensive stocks got hit by higher rates. And he said by the time now is rolled around, it's a tailwind that expensive stocks have been derated and expectations have been lowered. Again, a lot of things that I really like. Now, keep in mind, I was almost mocking him for his call on Bitcoin. And this I'm going like, yeah, there's, there's something to be said for that. I do think we have a better 2023 than 2022 if no black swan events appear. China goes after Taiwan, all bets are off. Russia throws a nuke out, all bets are off. What other black swan events could happen? I don't know. Oil at 150. Inflation continuing to be stubbornly high. All things possible. So anyway, that's Tom Lee. He's one of those people I pay attention to because he says some bold things. He is not someone where I put his money or my money where his mouth is. That almost sounds dirty. You got to forgive me. I have had a flu in the last 24 hours and I can't hear anything out of my right ear. And it, it's horrible because when you do radio, you got to have that ability to hear yourself. Anyhow, and if you hear a long mute for a second, that's me coughing. But I can't take two days off in a row. Anyhow, and anyway, you can find me online at Rob Black Show, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show. I'm Rob Black talking to all things financial money, investing and more. I like the concept of teaching about headwinds becoming tailwinds. I do think there is a cycle that happens economically in business. I do think we do get very, very excited and things break. And we go from, oh, this is a good idea to, oh, things are going well to, oh, we're very, very excited to it broke. Now, again, I don't know enough about Bitcoin, but I can tell you, I think he's more right than wrong on the headwinds versus tailwinds for stocks. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money investing more. Brought to you by EP Wealth. This is the Rob Black Show. So what worked in 2021 and 2020 probably is not going to work in 2023 and 2024. Why the big statement like that? Because when we were in 2020, 2021, interest rates were around one and a half to 2%. That's really, really dirt cheap money. Then flash forward two years and we've moved to three and a half to 4%. That's more normalized. It's not even expensive yet. If it gets up to five and a half, six percent 6%, that's when we're like, ouch, that's a high lending cost. In your case, as a borrower, 
the lender is making good money. Inflation tends to average two to four percent. So if they're charging you six percent, they're they're rolling in it. So you got to start thinking differently. What's going to work better going forward? Where should you put new money? What should you give up on? It's always great to have a good financial relationship with an expert. I think I told you the story of a good friend of mine who during COVID, she got money from the government and she kind of got into day trading and meme stocks. And she sent me an email that was was cute. And she's like, hey, everything's going great. I love what you do. I'm doing it now. And I'm like, no, 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 no. That's not what I do. You haven't seen a down market. Um, and she got really, really, really mad at me that I told the story on air to the point that our friendship ended. But yesterday she reached out and it, was, it felt good again because she didn't say you were right. But she said, what should I be looking at? What should I be doing to get better at this? I'm like, do you want to day trade? Do you want to invest? Do you want to know how much you need as a 40 year old woman when you turn 60? You tell me. I like, you know, some of my ideas for the next couple of years on stocks, if you're asking for that, might be cell tower REITs, where a cell tower is, okay, when I say REIT, it's a real estate investment trust. And a real estate investment trust is you own, a, a corporation owns real estate, and they don't pay taxes, but they give out, uh, they pay back their dividends from a very profitable business model, usually. Not always. Higher interest rates could change things. But companies like Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile, they can't afford to go out and buy towers. They all stick their equipment on the same tower. And there's companies like American Tower, Crown Castle, and SBA Communications. I'll say those again. American Tower, AMT, Crown Castle, CCI, SBA Communications, SBAC, that lease space to wireless companies, essentially acting as landlords. The real estate investment trust angle, right? Do you think that in the future, we're going to have more 5G networks and more equipment needed up on top of towers? And I do. I think we've gone into a digital age. Um, and I think there's some interesting ideas there. I think you should consult a broker advisor before taking any action, anything I ever say. Um, know that I have not put my money where my mouth is. I was just trying to give an example of where I think things are going to be different than they were two, three years ago. Cell towers as REITs were boring two to three years ago. Now they look like a, a dependable source of income, 2.7% yields. Um, I don't know. You have to decide and you have to start learning this stuff yourself. But most people shouldn't be individual stockholders. Uh, she's a great photographer. I think she should be working on her photography business. Um, she's a great shopper. She's like one of those um, moms that does incredible Instagrams. And it hurts me when I see people try to get into my industry and they get burned by it because that's the first down market they've seen. Um, it hurts. So I'm not going to cry. But she's in her early 40s. And she's one of those people that she had a kid out of wedlock, which is fine. That's normal. I, I'm not going to judge. Um, but the father moved on. And to my best of my knowledge, I think she did all the supporting of the child. So that's an expense, right? And I, she has a long-term boyfriend that lives with her. And I don't think she's serious about marriage because they've been engaged for like five to 10 years or something crazy like that. Now she's going to get mad at me again, right? But one of the questions I asked her yesterday, I said, do you need to know how much you need to save before you retire? Because that's the number one question I get from people. You need to, like, I didn't know if she wants resources like Barron's in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, The Economist. Uh, Financial Times, 
I didn't know if she was aware that she has a brokerage account. She probably has access to free research on stocks um, at the website. Companies like Fidelity and Vanguard give you access to standard pores tear sheets, which are great. But I'm going to be putting together an email today for her because yesterday I was really under the weather. But she's not a millennial, but she's kind of close, right? If you're a millennial wondering how much money you need to retire comfortably, now may be a good time to start asking questions. So if you're younger than millennial, a zillennial, or if you're a zillennial, instead of a generation Z, you're in a millennial combined. I'm going to clump generation X and baby boomers in one half of the fence. And the other half of the fence are the younger side of everyone, people under 40. Um, older millennials who are nearing 40 might get by on a mere 2.8 million in savings to retire comfortably. So did I, did do you hear me when I said that? When I got into this industry 20 plus years ago, 25 years ago, I wanted to have a million dollars. And the funny idea that I had was I was going to be in love with a woman and I was going to quit once I got my million and we were going to like, end up in Hawaii or San Diego or Mexico when we were going to sell oranges on the beach. If you've ever been on a beach and you're like, man, I, I wish I could have had something nice and juicy. I'll probably find an orange grove to steal them from, right? It was dumb. It was romantic. It wasn't realistic. Um, but if you're nearing 40, you might need 2.8 million. I thought I needed a 1 million. But if you're around age 30, you need about 3.6 million saved up to enjoy a comfortable retirement. To bet on the safe side, you would up that up to 4 million. That assumes that you want to retire no later than age 62 and have not yet saved anything except emergency cash. Those are daunting numbers, seeing that the average retirement account is about 168,000. Yeah, does that sound right? If you're under 40, you need somewhere between 3 and 4 million. That's the number, people. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. You are listening to the Rob Black Show podcast. For more information on EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. It's a show dedicated to getting you to retirement. I do my very best in some of the simplest ways to get key concepts to you. I try not to use fear or greed. You know, with that being said, sometimes it comes out, right? Kind of think it's kind of a natural human thing to do. You sometimes be a little bit spooked. Anything you ever want to talk about, we can talk about. Drop me an email and say, hey, can you talk about this on air? And I'll do my best. Got a email last week from a young woman in her, what do you think, 20s? Yeah, 20s. And I thought, this is perfect. This is good stuff to talk about. The thought here was... What should I be doing? Her big thought in her head was something along the lines of. TD Ameritrade 
or fidelity. And I'm like, ooh, you need a little bit more than just that. What do you need? In your 20s, you need to have some basics. And I'm going to be honest, I'm going to let you make some mistakes in your 20s. I'm actually pretty good with that. I think it's important that you understand compounding. I think it's important that you understand time are two of the most important things you can do or control. In your 20s, you want to start planning ahead. Get to where you want in life. You need goals. You need a plan. You can't just drive a car without a steering wheel or with your eyes closed. You kind of have to be conscious on this one. In your 20s, you need to live within your means. If you can't afford something, don't buy it. We all fall victim to this. I know. I once wanted to buy a car and I knew in my head I could afford $300 a month payment. Not 310, not 325. Um, and I negotiated the hell out of it. Probably to the point where I could have picked up a couple extra shifts and just paid the extra money. But I went into it very conscious of living within my means. I didn't always. Also in my 20s, at the same time period, I went to concerts and I'd, you know, I'd fork out the money to Ticketmaster and get front rows or close. That's the thing I splurge on. Concert experiences. I know you're saying, but it's only one night and it's over after three hours. Exactly. And you're right. I budgeted in so that I was able to still pay my rent, do my business, eat food, date. The most important thing I did in my 20s was I made saving a habit. Not with a 401k, but with an IRA. I started my own company in my 20s, so we didn't have a 401k yet. So I did a self-directed IRA. Biggest, the most important thing to me was saving $2,000 a year because in my head, 2,000 times five years is 10,000. And then you're on your way. Rough to see the wizard. In my 20s, I figured out credit cards can get you into a lot of trouble. They can be an albatross around your neck. Um, I don't like the whole world of Susie Orman. Oh, and for the record, at a recent seminar, a guy came up to me and said, I'm a nuclear physicist, and I like Susie Arm. I'm like, okay, don't pay attention to my show. He also was talking about how lithium is not a rare earth, and I know. I don't care. If I said it on air, I talked too fast, I made a mistake. Oops. And he wanted to correct me, so I was like, leave. Just leave the seminar. He didn't pay for it. He didn't, uh, he didn't even sign up. He just showed up, and I was just like, you know, you're too much. If you're going to come here and say you like Suze Orman, get out. I know you're saying that's pretty harsh, Rob. Um, If you knew what bad advice she gave, and I know that if you like that, you don't need to do anything that I'm going to tell you. 
I'm not going to play games with you that, you know, pay off your largest credit card first or your smallest credit card first, or just pay one off and you'll feel good about yourself. What I'm going to say is grow up, bootstrap up, set a goal to pay off all your credit card debt before you turn 30. Don't get into credit card debt again. A $2,000 balance on an 18% interest rate credit card could take nearly 10 years to pay off if you just make the minimum 4% payment each month. And it's going to cost a $2,000 balance with a minimum payment cost an extra $1,100. And just for the record right now, some credit cards are up to 30%, not even the heinous 18%. Just here's something you need to know about credit cards. You're not getting a 12 to 18% raise every year. Stop paying 12% to 18% more. If you're carrying a balance, you're using credit card wrong, or you're really struggling financially and you're desperate. In your 20s, start investing. The sooner you start investing, the less painful it will be and the more you'll accumulate. Let's say a man starts sucking away $200 a month at age 25. This is not a word problem. $200 a month at age 25, an account earning an average by the time he's turned 65, he'll have $703,000. But if he waits until he turns 30, he only has $462,000. So if $200 a month is simple enough to you, like, I could do that, and I'm 25 years old, you're on your way. Because to me, $200 a month, if you can't do $200 a month savings, something bad on you. I know, I know there's inflation. I know there's rent. I know that there's a job market that's precarious for tech workers. So I'll, I'll dial that one back. I won't say bad on you, but I'll say it's really important that you get that one going. In your 20s, you want to establish credit. It's okay to live at home in your 20s if you're saving some extra money for a down payment on a home or down payment on a better lifestyle down the road. But at some point in time, you're going to need to cut that financial umbilical cord. And it helps to have good credit, so establish credit in your 20s. I have got a credit score of 820. It's the highest it's ever been in my life. I've usually had a credit score of 750 to 775 for most of my adult life. I once said on air, I've never seen a a perfect credit score of 850, and someone sent me theirs. I was like, dang, that is perfect. Um, But having a 750 means you can get a 2.5% mortgage rate when they're available. You get the best mortgage rates. You get jobs. Every job that, uh, every employee that I've hired in the last 10 years, we've run a credit check on them. See if they've paid their bills on time. See if they have a foreclosure against them. Things that might mar their character or tell you like, yeah, they're not in it for the long haul to be your employee. They tend to find themselves in financial messes. So a good history can save you a bundle on your auto insurance. If you decide you want to get an apartment, landlord's going to run your credit. Job, we're going to run your credit. Building good history in your 20s will ensure that it's ready when you need it and want to use it in your 30s. When the bigger ticket items like homes and cars and other scenarios come into play. In your 20s, you want to make sure you have a marketable skill. Your own earning power rooted in education job skills is the most valuable asset you'll ever own. 
the most important thing that you have from age 20 to 60 is your ability to earn income. Period. I, 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 I could say you can become a crypto trader, genius, billionaire, but nope, I'm not going to say that's the most important thing. It's having a marketable skill. I use this example and it really shows math is kind of cold. If you make $100,000 a year at age 20, you're going to make, and you don't get any raises in your life, you're going to make $4 million in your working career from age 20 to 60, right? Now, that's with no investments. In that period of time, that first 100000 will double in the next 30 years three times. It's really important to get that first $100,000 saved. Um, so you have to do that out of income. And your income, do you see where it, how income and savings work together? And then... Income, savings, and investments. So in your 20s, have a marketable skill. In your 20s, marry wisely. I've got a family member who just got engaged, and they went to Italy to get engaged. And I'm like, oh, you guys are starting off with a lot of debt. Beautiful, but a lot of debt. In your 20s, have some fun. Investments in finance doesn't have to be boring. Taking the time to travel and have new experiences before you have a couple of cranky kids. It's easier. It's cheaper. Ten. Have some fun. I'm Rob Black talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. For more information about EP Wealth, visit robblack.com. That's robblack.com. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.